Hi there, my name is Leia, and you're listening to Grad Share, a podcast where we confront some of the challenges of graduate school, especially the ones that don't really get talked about a whole lot. I'm your host, Leia, sixth year PhD candidate at the University of Washington. Still here, still struggling through that dissertation writing phase, but so happy to be here with you today. Listen, today's episode really means something to me on a personal level because we're going to be talking about PhD students and mental health. This is something that during the height of the pandemic, I really struggled with. I was in the middle of intersecting crises, it seemed like. I was dealing with the lockdown like everybody else was, but I was also trying to figure out how to move forward with my PhD. I was now learning how to teach online. I also had some caregiving responsibilities for a very sick family member. And just all of that together led to a situation where I just felt like I had multiple stressors. And I really would have loved to have reached out for some help to get some support around that. I also felt like, am I the only one? Am I the only PhD student dealing with this sort of mental health stuff right now? No. No, I wasn't. And no, I'm not. That's something that I have learned since then. I am so grateful to be able to have Dr. Zoe Ayers as a guest on our show today. I have a lot to say. (laughs) Um, I'll try and be brief. Zoe is an analytical scientist and also an advocate for mental health, especially as it concerns graduate students. For me, that kind of sparked like looking and researching into PhD mental health because I, first of all, I thought I was the only person struggling. And then I started looking around and I found some of like the key papers and things around, you know, like one in two PhD students experiencing mental health concerns. And it's like, okay this is actually a problem. And so that really kind of started me off with my mental health advocacy work from there, so. Taking care of your mental health in academia is really hard because academia can be a place, in my experience, that does not always support the mental health and well-being of graduate students. That's why I'm so grateful that there are people like Zoe out there who are raising awareness of this issue and doing things so that we can work towards supporting graduate students and PhD students in their mental health and well-being. Here's some of my conversation with Zoe. So I did an undergraduate in forensic science, which I love. I then went on to do a master's program, which is really typical in the UK. So we always do a master's degree before we do a PhD, or very typically anyway. And then I went on to do my PhD and I did that in chemistry. 
And it was really only during my PhD that I experienced mental health concerns for the first time. So up until that point, I think it was a lot, I had a lot of privilege and I had a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of luck along the way to kind of just not have experienced any mental health concerns. And then I found that doing a PhD was really hard. And for me, that kind of sparked like looking and researching into PhD mental health because I, first of all, I thought I was the only oh, person like, struggling. Am I the only one? Am I the only PhD student? And then I started looking around and I found some of like the key papers and things around, you know, like one in two PhD students experiencing mental health concerns. And it's like, okay, this is actually a problem. And so that really kind of started me off with my mental health advocacy work from there. So. As a follow-up to a 2005 study on mental health concerns among graduate students, the University of California at Berkeley released a study in 2015 finding that one out of every two graduate students surveyed experienced significant mental health challenges while in graduate school. What I wanted to ask Zoe was, what is it about graduate school, or about PhD school maybe more specifically, that makes graduate students more vulnerable to mental health challenges? For me, the first question I think we have to be asking ourselves is, is what, what is the point of academia in the first place? And like not to be facetious or to, but like, why are we entering academia? And obviously a level of that is education. But I think for a lot of us, the other thing that we're doing it for is to really improve the world around us for everyone. However, academia seems to have this kind of homogeneity to it in the sense that it really isn't for everyone. And those of us with mental health concerns start to, to feel the pressures and start to really kind of get almost forced out because we can't be putting in all the hours under the sun. But then no one should be doing that. Like that shouldn't be a requirement. Um, you know, passion is not 24-7 working. I think a lot of it really comes down to sense of belonging and the fact that many of us do not find that sense of belonging within academia and we're kind of expecting academia to welcome us with open arms and instead what we found is a little bit of resistance. So there's a way in which academia isn't really always this welcoming place for many different kinds of people, especially those who might be dealing with mental health issues. It also seems as though academia has traditionally been a space that has not been welcoming of emotion and feeling. That's really interesting because I don't know, like, so I've never done a humanities PhD, right? Um, it's interesting to me hearing you say, like, you didn't have space to bring your emotions. And like, for me as a scientist, a lot of what I hear um, is stereotypes. So it's like, you know, you have to be logical and the opposite of logical is hysterical. And it's like, no, 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 we can have emotions and a scientist, and that is perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. 
it's one of those things where if if we're constantly competing with each other and we are competing in academia there are very few jobs compared to the amount of us that are graduating with PhDs and if you're competing what you're trying to do is kind of keep this facade of just being brilliant and unfazed and kind of just not having any yeah any emotion really it's like like if i come to work and i'm a robot then i'm a good academic and that's not what we want right no that is absolutely not what we want i want academia to be a place where everyone can come with all of their feelings and emotions and vulnerabilities and be listened to and respected and cared for in all of that I shared with Zoe that in my experience, when I was experiencing some some stress, I did try to reach out to the counseling center on my campus, and it was actually rather difficult. I tried once, and I didn't get any response back, and that was very, very hard because it had taken so much effort just to kind of reach out once. I was really, really busy, and so... To not hear back and to to know that I had to kind of do that all over again and reach out and hope that this time someone would answer me, that was hard. That was really hard. And in my case, I wasn't in any kind of crisis. I was just dealing with some stressors and really wanted to talk to a counselor to get some assistance with how to implement some strategies to deal with that stress. But I imagine and wonder, what if there was a graduate student who was in a crisis and who reached out and didn't get any response? That is troubling. That is very worrying. That, that shouldn't happen, right? No one should be falling through the cracks. Um, and like, you're so right that that barrier to kind of redo it again, like when you've kind of like got yourself into the headspace that you're going to reach out for help and then that help doesn't happen. Um, and the only thing we can do in those scenarios is actually try and do it again. But it takes so much time sometimes for us to do that. And I guess that's where support networks come in in terms of like friends and colleagues as well. And trying to like, you know, if, if we if we reach out and tell someone close to us about the fact we're struggling, then they're more like likely to then help us get help. Um, you know, I've seen some terrible things um, in terms of like waiting times as well for for, for mental health support or for example, universities setting up like effectively a triage system where they say, oh, well, every student is spoken to within the first hour of them submitting something. It's like, well, they are, but then you just point them into another direction and then they're waiting six months. And so, you know, in the statistics, it says, well, that everyone was seen within an hour. But in the reality of things, it's not an hour. It's a lot longer than that. So... Um, again, it's all about these kind of structures and really having us question whether they're fit for purpose and saying, actually, um, they aren't fit for purpose and they need to be improved. And of course, that onus should not be on PhD students to fix that. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of us find that we have to advocate um, from, through grassroots efforts to improve these things. So, One question I had for Zoe was this. What might be the most helpful and supportive ways for a faculty member, an advisor, 
or an administrator to support a graduate student struggling with a mental health issue? I have a lot to say. (laughs) Um, I'll try and be brief. The first thing would be to actually know where resources are for students and make sure that they know where to point them. Um, So that's just signposting and not every institution has fit for purpose PhD mental health support. And that, I guess, is a secondary thing. Um, But the first was knowing where to refer people to. This is really important. Do you know what kinds of resources are available on your campus for PhD students and graduate students and mental health specifically? It seems like faculty and staff should really know these kinds of resources so that they can quickly connect students to them. The the second thing I would say is really like having these conversations in research settings. Um, So again, just not being afraid to be like, well, we're going to have journal club today and journal club is not going to be about uh, whatever you decide to, you know, research. It's going to be about research in PhD mental health or it's going to be about research culture. And having some of those conversations about localised improvements, I think, could really help. Yes, maybe in your reading clusters or reading groups, instead of having a session dedicated to whatever discipline you're working in, maybe for that day, the talk is about mental health and resources and self-care and support for PhD students. Um, And then finally, I mean, it's a huge one, but I think we should be tackling it is the fact that healthcare is not accessible to everyone. Um, And if we have inequity in healthcare, then we're obviously going to have inequity in in terms of the support that PhD students can access. And so if there's a financial barrier or if that um, actual healthcare isn't there, then that's a massive thing that we need to be working towards fixing. Ah, yes. As long as there continue to be barriers to accessing health care, there's going to be continued barriers to accessing mental health care. And that is certainly a problem in the United States and one that we have to keep working on fixing. One of the things that's been really wonderful to learn about in talking with Zoe is some of the mental health advocacy work that Zoe is involved in. I asked her to share a little bit about some of the things she's working on. One of the the projects is a collaborative project called Voices of Academia, which is a blog that I run um, with Marissa Edwards um, and and a team of wonderful individuals. And what we do is we have both a blog and podcast and and we actually chronicle the journeys of academics in academia. And we actually have those stories and a lot of those stories, are some of them are anonymous, but a lot of them are people actually putting their, their names to the stories as well. So we're actually starting to kind of get that conversation going around mental health. I guess along a similar vein, some of the other things that I've done is like my 100 Voices campaign. 
which has been a Twitter campaign where at the time the for the first one that I did I was like maybe I could get a hundred people to come forward and actually talk a little bit about, about their mental health so it's like kind of creating like an online banner and talking very very briefly about their mental health experiences in academia and you know I've managed to run 200 now and I have 100 waiting in in the background so when I first started the project I thought it maybe should have been called 10 voices but it turns out there are a lot more people that wanted to come forward so Zoe's also writing a book that will be forthcoming on PhDs PhD school and mental health issues yeah I'm super excited because Um, in the book I'm going to explore a lot of the kind of self-care aspects that we often get told about as PhD students but then I have a whole segment on systemic issues within the academy that really fuel mental health concerns and so yeah I really wanted to make sure that I was highlighting those things so. So I ended our wonderful conversation with Zoe thinking about graduate students and PhD students directly who might be right now struggling with mental health in some way, shape, or form. If that is you, first of all, I want you to know that you are not alone. The research shows this. 50% of graduate students are struggling with some form of mental health issue. But I also want you to know that you're not alone. There are resources and there is support for you. So, I mean, so we've talked a little bit about like support on campus and things like that. So if that is available to you, then I would definitely go and seek that out. Um, It's always probably the best port of call to speak to a medical professional if you can. Um, The other thing that I would say is that one of the things that I wish I'd known about are things like academic Twitter, academic chatter, um, and actually having social spaces on Twitter um, where you can have conversations with individuals. And I think... And for me, community plays a really big role in my own management for my my mental health. And so um, there are communities of individuals that are probably going through similar things to to what you are. And I would really say, you know, see what resources are out there and what communities are out there. And yeah, seek help that way if you can't get it through more formalized routes. So seek formal and professional help. Contact the counseling center on your campus, especially if you're going through a mental health crisis. You can also mobilize other avenues of support, friends, family, colleagues, and peers, communities. Zoe talked about reaching out to support networks on social media. If that works for you, then seek that out. And of course, self-care, right? Finding the activities, the friends, the things that you can incorporate into your life to really nourish yourself, to give yourself a break, to, to really take care of yourself. It was such an incredible honor to speak with Zoe, to hear some of the mental health advocacy work that she's been doing to support mental health and PhD students. I just wanted to thank Zoe so much and make sure Zoe has the last word. I guess one of the things that I want to say is that I do think that graduate mental health support is changing. I think we are having these conversations. I think that you know, over the next five to 10 years, we're gonna see a huge shift in, in kind of the support that's available and what's offered. Um, and they say there's just a huge amount of people working in this area now. Um, you know, the amount of publications that have increased around PhD mental health has increased significantly over the last few years and things like that. So, you know, sometimes it can feel a bit like, well, nothing is happening, but I promise you that it is um, and that things will get better. And, 
you know, if you find yourself struggling at the moment, I guess the, the thing would be to, you say, reach out for support and find those communities because we are out here. We've come to the end of another episode of Grad Share. I want to thank Dr. Zoe Ayers for sharing her work on mental health advocacy with us. If you want to know more about her work and what she's up to, check out her website at www.zjayres.com. That's www.zjayres.com. I'm going to go ahead and put some additional resources on the transcript for this episode. And I just wanted to make a note right here and say, if you are someone who's struggling with any mental health concerns, reach out to the support services on your campus. If you are someone who is struggling with suicidal thoughts, or if you know someone who's struggling with suicidal thoughts, you can contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline in the United States by dialing 988, just simply 988. This is a 24-7 crisis line with professionals who can give you support during that time. Your mental health and your well-being is the most important thing. I tell my students that, I think that for myself, and I really, really believe that for all of us. Do take good care of yourself, practice good self-care if you can, and I'll look forward to seeing you next time on GradShare.